Hello and welcome to the Daily Reprieve, where we provide essays, speaker meetings, workshops, and conferences in podcast format. We are an ad-free podcast. If you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and drop a dollar or two into the virtual basket. Please consider donating monthly by clicking the Donate Monthly button. However, one-time donations are always welcome. Just click the Donate Now button. Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve. Well, <laughs> girls, <laughs> uh, welcome to this session on, uh, it's our women's only meeting. My name is Debbie, and I'm a recovering sexaholic. I'll be facilitating this session along with Sheila, and um, each of us will share our recovery on this topic. Then we will take time to answer questions. Questions will be taken from the index cards, and if you wish to participate, write your questions on the card and place it on the table. And in the spirit of the fifth tradition to carry the message, this is a recorded session. The rec- the recording equipment will not be turned off during this session. We ask that you please silence all cell phones and let us open with a serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. The essay purpose, Sexaholics Anonymous, is a fellowship of men and women who share their experience, strength, and hope with each other that they may solve their common problem and help others to recover. The only requirement for membership is a desire to stop lusting and become sexually sober. There are no dues or fees for essay membership. We are self-supporting through our own contributions. Essays not allied with any sect, denomination, politics, organization, or institution does not wish to engage in any controversy, neither endorses nor opposes any causes. Our primary purpose is to stay sexually sober and help others to achieve sexual sobriety. It says uh, we're going to do, okay, we're going to share. So um, my name is Debbie and I'm a grateful recovering sexaholic. I have been sober four years and four months and I am going to share what it was like, what happened and what it's like today. About this time, uh, 12 years ago, I was in my little minivan, and I was going to the post office to deliver, to drop off all my Christmas cards, because I was on schedule with that, and I had about 100 cards. I have a big family, and um, I was so anxious to go drop these cards off, because as soon as I did that, I was leaving to go a couple hours away to go act out, Um, and so... When I was pulled up to the mailbox to drop the cards into the, you know, the little slot thing, I turned really sharp when I was leaving and the back tire of my minivan, um, it went up over the concrete thing that the little box was attached to. And I was like, you know, no big deal. I didn't do any damage or anything, I didn't think. So I got on the highway, and I went about five miles on the highway at about 70 miles an hour, and I'm like, something's not right with my with my vehicle. So I had to pull over and I called my husband who was working at the time. He of course didn't know what I was going to do. And um, 
I said, it's making a funny noise. And he said, okay, I'll come, I'll come get you. And so we met an exit up at a Kmart and he couldn't really tell what was wrong with it. He had to drive it. And I was like freaking out. I'm like, I got to go where I got to go. And so I guilted him into um, letting me have his car and then he could just take my vehicle and, you know, do whatever he had to do to get it fixed. So, um, I, you know, went on and, and I made it and I, <laughs> and I also did several thousand dollars worth of damage to my minivan that day, but acting out doesn't affect anyone but me, of course. So I got what I wanted. And, um, I also remember that, um, that my kids were staying with a friend and like, you know, it was all packed away, nice and neat. Nobody knew what was going on. I had it managed very well. And I think back on that today. And I'm really sad that I took advantage of my husband that way. He provides for our family. He works really hard and uh, sole provider. And I manipulated him to come away from what he does to take care of our family. And he didn't know anything was going on. So um, fast forward a little while after that, a couple years. Um, of course, that was around the holidays, but it was close to this season a year, I guess, similar time. Um, and... You know how things work until they quit working, and things were quitting to work. So um, my marriage was falling apart. I had come to a point where I realized I couldn't stop acting out. I was acting outside my marriage with other people, and I just couldn't stop. I, I had met my husband when I was 14, and then him and I started dating about a year, a year and a half later, and he was like my first everything, and we got married, and... Um, and I just, um, I loved him. I, I think I really love him. And he was my best friend. Like, he still is. He's my best friend. Like, I know him longer than I've known anybody um, other than my parents. And they don't count because they're, you know, dysfunctional. Um, <laughs> like nobody else's. But um, anyway, so um, I had come to a point where I realized I'm not going to be able to stop acting out. And I don't want to hurt him. I don't want to, now it's going to hurt him. And if I can't stop acting out, the best thing for me to do is leave. And so um, I wrote him a letter and told him I wanted a divorce and um, gave it to him. And then he had his reaction and he he didn't want to let go. He's like, I really think that we can get through this. I'm like, but you don't understand. Like he didn't know everything that I had been doing or was doing. Um, he knew a little bit, but he didn't know everything. But I did, even though I didn't feel like it, I showed up at the appointment. And I do love him and my children enough. Like, I just, I really didn't want to hurt them. And um, so we started counseling. And through that, I ended up finding SA. And my first SA meeting was a um, huge room of men. And I was the only woman in there. But I didn't care. Like, I felt like. I was going to hear something I needed to hear. And I had been kind of told that, prepped that ahead of time. So I knew that I was, you know, that, that might be the case. But um, I just, I just finally felt like I knew these people. These, this was, I mean, I kind of had always felt like I was a 13 year old boy acting out like in a 40, well, at the time, 30 year old woman. And I, I just felt like, you know, why? I've got to be the only person like that. But, um, 
or the only woman like that. And then, of course, you know, I'm, I'm not. And I will forever be grateful just for the fact that there's women in this program who have been here for a long time. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter where we see each other along the way. Our stories are the same. Um, so I, I started plugging into recovery. That was in 2008 and did like 90 meetings in 90 days. And now we got a sponsor and started working the program and things started to change. But um, two years into that, I relapsed and ended up acting outside my marriage again. That was in 2011. And um, at, what had happened was I, I feel like I had just enough recovery that I um, – figured it out. You know, I had, (laughs) I knew how to do this. Like I got this and I thought I could handle getting a job and I thought I could handle going to less meetings. And and then there were other things going on um, in my family of origin and stuff that just contributed to a lot of stress and I couldn't handle all those things. So I ended up realizing a powerlessness that I didn't realize the first time. And that second time really showed me that not only could I not stop, but I have no control over this disease. I did not want to do the things that I did, and yet my body still went and did these things. So um, my my recovery journey changed a great deal at that time. I got a a new sponsor. I did everything that she said, um, work in the steps, and then um, I didn't mention that my children were eight and four, when I got into recovery. And um, so I remember the one thing I heard over and over again in meetings was the best way you can help your kids is to work your program. That's the one thing that I can do to help them the most is to work my program. And so I continued to do that. And I would tell them, I'm, you know, I'm going to meetings. I'm going to go. I'm hoping mommy's wanting to make better choices. And that's why I go to these meetings. And um, so come along. Uh, it is 2020 now. And I am, um, I, my sponsor had suggested uh, my teenage son was a little difficult and having some issues. He's really um, showed a lot of addict behaviors, but yeah, I couldn't figure out what the addiction was kind of thing. And so um, my sponsor had suggested I start going to an opposite program Um well, Al-Anon is what she suggested I go to, and um, to help me kind of deal with him. And I kicked and screamed every, every meeting I went to, but I went for two years and spent some time in that program. And um, I am so grateful for SA, and I am so grateful for my recovery. My son is 19 years old, and this time last year, well, we had a pet pig, which is just random. But... <laughs> I don't know if you know this or not, but 2019 was the Chinese year of the pig. And I'm just saying, it, if higher power doesn't know what's going on, I'm, I, I mean, it, he just does. So um, we ended up with this pig, and through this pig that we weren't supposed to have, and this is just so off the wall, not, not what I planned on sharing, but... Um, <laughs> We told him he couldn't have the pig in our house, but he brought the pig in anyway. And it's, you know, it starts innocent like it does where he takes the pig in and out with him. And then he's like, well, I left the pig in the room. And then, and then before you know it, two months in, I'm taking care of the pig and I'm feeding the pig and I fell in love with that damn pig. (laughs) But. 
but that pig could not live in our home. We don't have, that's cruel. Like I had, I didn't, at first I didn't want to learn anything about pigs because I refused. I'm not allowing this pig in my home. But before you know it, there's a pig in my home. And I had to educate myself and through that found out that, you know, we do not have the facility for a pig. We just don't. And it's cruel to think that we did. Plus, pigs don't stop growing until they're seven years old. I just want you to know that. So when they say mini pig, you know, a year into it, they're still not done growing yet. They could be four or 500 pounds before it's all over with. So anyway, I really did not mean to go off on that. But um, through that pig, I finally laid down a boundary with my son and we had, um, we had to kick him out of the house. And I could not have I could not have made it through that experience without this program, without being sober. If I wasn't sober, I think you could have just put a stick of dynamite in our house and it would have fared better than it, it than had a not. I just um, didn't know how to navigate through that. And I'm so grateful for being an addict who can go, I get he has, he is, that is not him talking right there. That is the addict talking to me. That's the addict acting there. So um, I'm, I'm going to wrap it up. I, I don't know how to share this because it's just so fresh, and this is one of the first times I've shared it. But um, he ended up um, diving deep into the drug world and not as much using as it is selling and dealing. And he came to us one night, and he said, I, I want some help. And, um, long, uh, you know, long story, probably longer the way I tell him, is that he ended up in treatment. And um, today he's sober, and he's living in a sober living house. He has been for over six months. And um, I invited him to come to this conference this weekend. And I also want to share where where I'm at now is, at first, I did not know healthy. I still don't know healthy boundaries. I'm not fantasizing about sex. I was fantasizing that when my son was in treatment, he identified as a sexaholic, among other addictions. And my first thought was, yes, I got him. Like, I, we know how to deal with this. I had, There's people. Like, I can take him to a meeting. I can introduce him to so-and-so. We got this. Like, he's going to be just fine. And so my fantasy since I'm not going to fantasize about other things today that are, you know, um, along the sexual line, I'm fantasizing about taking my son to his first SA meeting. I'm like, yes, we're going to, you know, we're going to rock this. And my therapist and some other well-meaning, loving people who are able to speak truth to me said, I don't think a 19-year-old boy wants to go to an SA meeting with his mother. (laughs) I'm like, hush it, it's my fantasy. (laughs) Like, this is going to work out perfect, and my life is going to be better because of it. Every, and we're going to live happily ever after. Well, um, I left it alone. I never pushed it. I never invited him to a meeting. Uh, but what I did do was try to um, back out of being a, a recovery buddy because that was what felt easy just because I knew how to do that. And I just got to be mom. That's what I'm kind of learning how to do is be mom. And and that's different than being a recovery buddy. But I listen and I just pray. I just pray to God and turn him over to God because I know that in this program, I have learned that God does not have grandchildren and that God loves that child way more than I could ever love him. And I love him a lot. And I love him borderline codependency. So I know that God can take care of him. And um, the best gift came to me when he got out of recovery. He called me one day and he says, what are you doing this Saturday? And I was like, well, I was going to try and go to a meeting. 
and which was not a lie, but I hadn't been to a meeting, an essay meeting, because I'd been in the other meetings. I hadn't been to a Saturday morning essay meeting in a few months. So my thoughts were always, I'm going to try and go to a meeting Saturday, and then something would come up. But I was attending my other recovery meetings. However, um, he said, well, what time's your meeting? And I said, 9 to 10. And he said, well, um, my, I've got a meeting at 10, and I'm going to get my three-month chip, and I would like for you to come. Oh. <laughs> and I had a 30-minute drive to that meeting, and I bawled every single second on the way in and every second on the way out. But I didn't bawl in the meeting. It was such a gift, and what a better fantasy. Like, I couldn't even fantasize that. He invited me into his space into his place and um and then I got to go back when he got his six month chip too and I just am tickled beyond tickled so I have a twisted still have a twisted fantasy world because I was like I told him about the speaker meetings I was like if you want to come we're right over here bring your friends (laughs) but see I'm not speaking so it's not as weird or anything you know for that but anyway I just want to say I'm grateful because had I not been brave enough to show up and go to that counselor's appointment with my husband when I didn't want to go. But had I not got introduced to SA, had I not got in here, had I not learned that I got to put my recovery first, where would he be? And for some reason, even though I get really hung up, because sometimes I want to go, what about tomorrow? What if this happens? What if he, what if he relapses? What if he, da, 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 you know, I can go on and on and on. But that's not what this program teaches me. It teaches me one day at a time. And so I'm going to stay in today. And today I can be grateful for what we have today. And today I'm going to celebrate that. And if it doesn't, work out for me, for him, for whatever. I have a higher power who's in control. He's my employer. I'm not the employer. So it's his problem to figure out, not mine. And I know I'm going to be okay. Like there's options, there's tools, there's solutions. And I'm ever so grateful for that. The last thing I want to say before I turn it over to Miss Sheila, and I hope I didn't take too long, um, is that our first women's convention, how many of you got to go to that? Do y'all rem- uh, just want, Sylvia, you were there, weren't you? It was in Seattle. No, it wasn't. It was in Ashburn, Virginia. It was on May the 5th, 2017. And, um, Somebody asked me this morning, they said, what's your favorite part? What are you looking forward to, to the convention? And I immediately said the birthday celebration. That's always my favorite because we all get together. It's late at night. I'm so exhausted and sweaty. But we all get together, and we add up our sobriety. And at the women's convention, convention, we had 145 years, four months, and 16 days of sobriety. I wish I could remember how many women were there. I didn't write that down. But um, I just think that there's power in us being able to get together. I love it. I know there's varying opinions, and I'm still learning all of that kind of stuff, but I love it because I needed to know that I wasn't the only person who thought like I did, who acted like I did, and who did what I did, and just the strength that I feel when I, when I see another sex addict that's a woman. I just, I'm, I thank you. Thank you all for being here today. Thanks for letting me share my story. I'm Sheila. I'm a sexaholic. And um, the early part of my life couldn't be any different than Debbie's. Um, I grew up in the country, and I grew up on a farm, and I grew up with uh, three other sisters. 
grew up with a mom who was strict, very, very strictly religious, and a dad who was um, a rageaholic um, and who liked to to beat me uh, specifically. And so I have to say, until I'd been in recovery for quite some time, and I didn't get into recovery till later in my life, um, I had no clue what was going on in my life. I had just absolutely no clue. I um, started liking boys really, really early, but didn't have the opportunity to go anywhere because we weren't allowed to go anywhere. We weren't allowed to go to the movies. We weren't allowed to do most anything. And so, um, so I started dating. Not really dating, but dating when I was 16. And I was terrified of my dad, so I didn't do much uh, of anything except heavy petting, if it's still called that. Um, and, uh, but my dad was uh, verbally abusive, mentally and verbally abusive too. And so when I was 18, uh, I went out on a date for the junior-senior prom. And I got a date with a guy who was a senior, and I was just, like, floored that I got in this date with the senior. Well, they had a breakfast after the junior-senior prom that he was going to go to. And I wasn't going to tell him that I couldn't go to the breakfast because I had a curfew. Um, so I went to the breakfast. And so when I arrived home, Dad was at the door and called me a whore. And at that point, I'd not done anything like that. But I soon began to get a real belligerent attitude and decided if I was going to be called that, then I was going to just go ahead and do some of that. Um, And I didn't know anything about addiction. I have to tell you, I've been married and divorced three times. And I've been single much longer than I've been married. Uh, if you want to add all of that up. And all of that time, I had no clue what was going on, what was, why I was ending up in that position. Um, and in my last marriage, I married a guy that was a con man who wanted me to finance a business. And I'll say that the gift that he gave me was he demanded that I go to counseling because he wanted the counselor to tell me what was wrong with me. And so after, like, I think a couple of sessions, maybe it was three, I'm not sure, the counselor confronted him and told him that he wasn't there to work on anything and that if he didn't want to work on anything, he needed to leave. And so he promptly got up and left. Um, and that was a two-year $50,000 divorce uh, is what it cost me to get that divorce. Um, and I've... Um, been single since then. And so my journey um, after that counselor was a huge gift because after a while and some of the episodes I was telling her about my dating experiences, um, she told me that I needed to go to SA, uh, SA meeting. And I said, you don't think I'm a sexaholic, do you? <laughs> and she said, well, just go and listen to what they have to say and see if that fits. And so I did. And um I cried through that whole first, I think I cried the whole first six months that I went to meetings. Um, And I got a sponsor soon after that who was not healthy and um, 
fired me after a few times and and gave me this real blaming speech. It was a really terrible experience. Um, And most of my life, I've been self-employed and single. And so I justified my behavior because I wasn't hurting anyone else. Um, But I was hurting myself. And I've never recognized any of the pain or the hurt that I was giving to myself. Um, So I picked up the the um, the wand that my dad used to use and was using it on myself to punish myself and to hurt myself. Um, and so uh, I have to tell you, it took me a long time to get to where I wanted to work my steps. And whatever amount of time it takes you is okay. It's easier on you if you start earlier. <laughs> it's much better. Uh, but I did not do that. Um I went to meetings and didn't do anything for quite a while and then finally decided to work the steps with someone. And that was a real painful experience because a lot of that stuff, looking at it, was just too hard and too painful. It was, um, I didn't want to work the steps, I'll just say. And I have, I have some still, but at the time had a huge amount of anger. I was so angry. Um, not even sure why I was angry, but I was angry. And I played the victim some. Uh, but I started working the steps, and after working the steps and looking at that, I see now that those are just the steps to move you forward to help you heal, to help you take a look at, an honest look at your life and help you heal. And I have been... Um, uh, progressively getting healthier and healthier since then. I, uh, my life now is, um, oh, let me tell you how I got here, how I really got here. I was acting out with one guy behind a bar and calling another guy the same night. Um, I was having phone sex with one guy and having another guy the same night. And I got to the point where I had met a really nice guy, which I wasn't used to. Uh, I didn't pick those kinds of guys. And I called him one night because it occurred to me that I might need to get the gun out of my cabinet and use it on myself. Um, And that thought terrified me so much uh, that I called him to come get the guns out of my house. Um, And uh, he and I dated in a healthy dating relationship for five years. Um, and we broke up, but um, that was not because of the recovery piece. It was because of issues in his life that he couldn't handle, work issues in his life that he couldn't handle. And he passed away last year, uh, which was hard. Um, and he and I... I guess he's the only guy that I ever dated. I used to call it dating when I was just acting out, but he's the only guy that I ever dated who he and I were able to remain friends afterwards. It took a lot of work, but we were able to really and truly be friends because he was a good person. Um, And I've been through a lot of things. I've taken care of my mom for eight and a half years who had dementia, I've been self-employed all of my life and are on a straight commission, no expenses paid, no anything basis. And so I've had lots of opportunities to act out and do things like that. But I finally 
come to the conclusion that I want my life to be peaceful and calm and not chaotic and uh, not punishing. And um, I have been sober a long time, and I'm not even sure how long I've been sober. I know you're supposed to keep up with a date, but I didn't because I kept... I was crazy in my head when I wasn't crazy other ways. And so recovery is an all-life experience thing. It is not just about not acting out, and it's not just about lusting, and it's not um, just about not self-punishing. It changes everything in your life. It changes your work. It changes your family. It changes your friends. And um, I have... A couple of good sponsees right now. I've sponsored several people over the years that have been sober for a long, long time and who have a lot of sponsees themselves. And I have to say that my my life now is is good and calm, and uh, it was a very circuitous course to get here. Uh, And, of course, that was my own choosing. Um, God is... um, God was somebody that I was very angry at also. And God now um, is always present and is always going to take care of me. And that's something that I came to slowly as well. So thanks for letting me share. questions but when we had talked earlier we had talked about just kind of running this more like a meeting and so if anybody wanted to share you're welcome to come up here and share at the microphone I don't think that's against the rules do you know Rachel is that against the rules okay and so we'll just open it up and then when it gets close to time we'll we'll wrap it up but sorry you have to talk at the microphone Hi, I'm STK. So grateful to be here. It's so nice to see you all. I'm not the only woman <laughs> in my life. One meeting I go to, I'm the only woman usually. Another woman joins sometimes, so that's great. I do. I did start a meeting in my area just for women only, but we're really struggling. Somehow, women don't stick to programs so much. <laughs> We have a few women in our area, but typically we have two or three people in the meeting right now. Surrender to God. I just have to accept it, and I have to work my program, and that's why I'm here. Thank you so much for your talk. I wrote down some notes, and um, I, I love what you said about twisted fantasy. It's my fantasy. Like, I go into that a lot. Like, I'm fantasizing about too many things. So I got to do some thinking about that. Um, I've struggled. Like I'm, my sobriety date is November 2018, which I'm very grateful for. But I've struggled with, like, am I a sexaholic? Am I not a sexaholic? Do I belong here? Don't I belong here? In and out. But I realized that I have a disease. I don't care what everyone is saying. I need recovery. And I'm hearing it here. I'm feeling it in these rooms. These rooms are what are offering for me a solution, and my life has changed. 
I've been in other programs. I've been sober and food three years, and my life didn't cha- change a little bit, but my monster was lost. I didn't know about it. How did I get to know about it? Only from coming to meetings. I came to meetings because my, my, my one therapist sent me to SA. One second, am I being timed? I guess so. Otherwise, I'll just go. <laughs> it's not fair. <laughs> okay. So my my therapist that sent me to SA, and I'm like, I'm not a sexaholic, but I went. I wanted to listen. You know, I want to be a good girl. I want to say I'm in recovery. So I went, and somehow I felt at home. And even being in SA, some woman told me maybe it's just an SNN issue. But so that's where I went away like two and a half years ago. I just didn't come back. But I came to a point where I became desperate. I felt like either I my I can lose my life. I'm too close to act out. I got to come to program. That's where I committed to come back in November last year, which I am so grateful. And only through coming to meetings and hearing people shares, more woke up in me. Time? More woke up in me that, ah, I'm a real sexaholic, and more is revealed through the program. So thank you all for letting me share. Hi, I'm Julie from uh, Washington, D.C. and Fresno, California. It's just great to be here. Um, It's great to have women in the program. I came in about almost 20 years ago. and my life is so much more full, and it's a lot of the telephone. The people who talk to me on the phone, I mean, they just enrich my life so much. And so um, I also was the first, was at the time I was the first woman in the, in well, I was the only woman in the D.C. area. There were problems with that, and uh, there's problems with all sorts of things. But um, SA has made my life fabulous. I love my life. And uh, I can't even imagine um, what my life was like before. So I'm grateful to be here. I'm grateful to Nashville because because Nashville always had the women. And it was just a place that people knew if you needed to go to a treatment center, just go to five meetings a day in Nashville. Just It's this place down the street. It's And people will care. And I just remember coming here a while ago and someone picking me up and taking me to barbecue. And just, it's like the fire department. You don't really want them, but just know they're there. And your life is better because Nashville has always been great. So thank you, Nashville. And thank you to all the women who call me. And I just adore it. And a couple of them are in in this room. Thanks. Hi, y'all. Um, my name's Cindy, although it could be Sybil today because I think two of my integrated parts need to come home because <laughs> there's a lot of stuff I identify with. I want hugs before y'all leave. Um, I don't know where really to go beyond that, but I got to echo there is something about the fellowship. I heard on the, I'm a phone meeting junkie. I don't really have face-to-face where I'm at. Um, and I heard... Without fellowship, there's no program, and without program, there's no fellowship. I need them both, and I need you all. I'm so happy to see this many women in one place. I just got the chills when I said that. 
I um, parallel both of you to a degree. I don't feel like I'm really at a summit by any means, but I am improving. And I married that nice guy and then and pissed at him for being a nice guy for these last two decades. And But he's here today. Wow. Not as an SA person or a participant, but he's physically in the building. Or at least right now he's probably out of the building. But that's a miracle. I mean, that that to me shows that something is changing around. And I have those teenage people that I'm praying will change too. But um, anyway, I'm grateful that you're here. Thank you for being part of my recovery. And I passed to my sister Elise. <laughs> I'm Elise Sexaholic from San Diego, and thank you for leading, and I could identify so much with both the shares. Um, <clears throat> I've, you know, looking back, you were talking about the car accident, like I've blown out a tire with two kids in my car with my head spinning about him. I've gone through a red light and T-boned somebody with my kid in the back, you know, thinking about him. I've started a fire in my house with my kids, cooking, thinking about him. I've had a flood, like, you know, like, yeah. And um, and I've got the 22- and 20-year-old um, boys and a 10-year-old boy. It's just so funny, like, you know, I'm now in this program that's all men, and I have boys, and I come from, like, um, I was telling Stephanie, I come from, you know, a stepdad who's one of five boys and a grandfather who was one of five boys, and they were all military, and I married, you know, I come from, like, men, 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 and um, and it's just so weird to be here, and, you know, I think there really is a lot of power in women. I don't know if any of you have seen the new Star Wars yet, but it's, like, all about the woman. It's like, yes, you know, it was so cool, and um, I'm just super grateful to be here. I can totally piggyback, too, on what um, SDK said as far as, like, I've been in a lot of other recoveries for 20 years, but it wasn't until I got to this one in the last year that I'm starting to have, like, the full spiritual experience. Like, I used to sit in the other rooms, and, you know, I'd have the physical sobriety of those other programs, but I wouldn't get the happy and joyous and free. And I'd be like, what is wrong with me? What am I doing wrong, you know? And I go to this one AA meeting all the time, and um, we read the spiritual experience, and like eight years ago, I started praying, you know, let me have that spiritual experience, God, please, you know? And um, and I feel like since it, since I've come into SA, it's funny, I came into SA in 2007 with my ex-husband because he said, I need SA, and I was like, so do I, because I'd been in fantasy in that marriage and not emotionally, um, you know, uh, loyal and had had one affair, but I didn't call it an affair. It was more like a Bill Clinton thing, you know? <laughs> and, um, and so then I went into another S program that I got to determine my own abstinence for three years. Well, I'm an addict. I can't determine my own abstinence. And so like finally, you know, nine months ago tomorrow, um, I came, you know, I started listening to the SA phone meetings and it was like, oh my God, this is the solution. The problem is me, you know, and it was so like um, helpful that everything was out of the big book and the white book. It was like, it was just speaking to me and I'm like, this thing that I have fought, wanting to have my own choice in my sexuality was actually the thing that was killing me and like the abstinence in SA 
is what's giving me my life back, you know? So I'm just so grateful for that. And thank you for all your service. And it's awesome to be in Nashville. You guys live in like a great city. I might move here. So. <laughs> hey, I'm Katie. Um, I was back there. Um, fighting God, I mean, itching, because I was like, I'm supposed to come up there, and I was like, no, no, I don't want to. Um, on the way over here, I'm, I'm lucky. I live here in the Nashville area, and I didn't realize how lucky I was. Um, on the way over here, I just had this huge, I mean, almost broke down into tears, because just a little over six months ago, I was coming down the same Briley Parkway on my way oh, on on the way to Briley Parkway to go to Bethesda. And um some of you may know what Bethesda is. It's workshops for women who are sex addicts. Uh a month before that, I would have told you I wasn't a sex addict. Um I came kicking and screaming. Um and the the thoughts I was having going down the road of the difference in just six months of when I was going there versus when I was going here. I mean, I sent as soon as I got here, I sent my husband a text and said, thank you for being with me on this ride so that I am here today. And... Um, when I was going to Bethesda, everything had come out. It, it, so many God moments. Um, I met my husband when we were 19. It's amazing how every story, you can find pieces of it that you can just relate to. I was, I was kind of a crazy teenager. I was 13 when I started high school, dating seniors. And I was the everything but girl, you know. <clears throat> but my for 20-some years, I was faithful to my husband. Didn't ever think about acting out. But I was pretty addicted to my children and my husband. A lot. And when all that started crumbling, and I had a teenager who was all of a sudden in the drug scene. I had a husband who was a workaholic who thought that all her problems were just, she couldn't get it together. And the way to solve it was to just yell. All of those prior addictions were falling apart. And I found Facebook. (laughs) Don't you just love Facebook? And um, one thing led to another, and within months, I was having my first affair. And right after that, I started, I I wouldn't ever watch porn because, you know, that's kind of icky. You know, this is my good Southern girl, you know, thinking here. But I read over 300 graphic novels within a year because that that was okay. And it started with Fifty Shades of Grey. And I was like, that was good. Let's, let's see if we can find something even crazier. And it was suggested to me soon after that that I was a sex addict. 
Um, there's more to the story. Uh, I had a cruise where we still don't know. Either I was drugged, I disassociated or something, ended up sleeping with some people on a cruise with my husband. But after that, I came clean about, you know, you know how you do. Part of the story. Um, and then I was the absolute best mom, best Christian, best wife for about six months. And as my counselor said, you put that beach ball under the water and it explodes. Uh, about, what's it been? It, it was in 2018. I went hog wild. And I don't know if you've ever heard the term that downtown Nashville is like redneck Vegas. It is. And um, I had a really good time, I thought, um, and didn't realize just how lonely and scared I was. And so I told my husband I wanted a divorce. Months later, he caught me Snapchatting one of my affair partners. <laughs> and I ended up at Bethesda. And I did not realize how lucky I was that I can go five minutes from my house and pick a meeting. Every day of the week, multiple times a day. I can go to a morning, a noon, a night. Um, and I am, I am just so thankful that if I have to have this dis-ease, that this is where I am. And one last thing, I have friends now. I have friends. I've not had friends in decades. And that's been one of the best gifts, gifts that this program has given me. So thank you. I'm Katie. Hello, I'm Leanne. Um, I live here. I'm also very lucky to live here. Haven't stood on a podium and looked at a bunch of people in a long time. This is different. Um, the reason I wanted to come up and talk is um, a lot, I guess, of what she just said, too, because what I was thinking about when I, when I thought about coming up here was um, when I was... Well, back in 99, I lived in Georgia. I had, and I'm going to just say my God is the God of a Christian religion. And I had become a Christian and um, had stopped acting out, but was still acting in. Um, but uh, was trying to do all the right things. I've been a music, music junkie my whole life, and I found Christian music, which I didn't know about until about 96 or 97, and went crazy over that. Well, in uh, fall of 98, I discovered a few bands, one of which was called DC Talk. And um, what I realize now that I didn't realize then was I transferred all of my lust onto these two. There were three in the band, but two that were very attractive to me. Well, they were all attractive, but they're, you know, you like one more than the other. Um, and I lusted after these guys. And 
that turned into me moving here. And I told everybody that I knew, oh, what brought you to Nashville? God. You know, I was coming to work in Christian music. It was all about, you know, and I believed this. I didn't even realize this. I didn't realize I was an addict. And I just thought, you know, I'm being moved there. And really what I've realized now is that my lust brought me here because it was safe. I thought it was safe. I wasn't going to act out with these guys. I could work around the music business, you know, and different things like that. And it was all about Franklin, Tennessee, because that's where all the music uh, companies were, or the Christian music companies. Um I want to dovetail that into the fact that I do, as she just said, I can't remember, is it Tracy? Katie, sorry. Um, That I am very grateful that there is a meeting every day and that there are multiple meetings every day. Um, And that I knew, I know now that God moved me here because he knew this is where I needed to be because I don't know how he would have ever gotten me from where I was to this town. And he used he used my lust to bring me here to be able to discover through counseling and then Bethesda that I definitely was uh, had an addiction to lust. Um, I started going to the program in 2007. I have um, had an addiction to uh, whatever you want to call it these days: weed, marijuana, pot. It changes all the time. Um, but I, uh, I had been smoking since I was 12 and it was just as much of a lust problem as my, uh, sex addiction was. And between trying to be sober in SA and not being sober from that, I would fade in and out and in and out. And then I got mad, believe it or not. And it's amazing to hear now how, um, or it's great to meet other women from other places because I was mad because I would go to a noon meeting and there were 15 guys in the room and all these men knew my life daily, but I couldn't call any of them. You know, I couldn't, I couldn't respond to them outside. I couldn't get their support. I couldn't have them as a sponsor. And I was pissed. It was like, screw it. This doesn't work. And I left. I got really mad and I left. And so, um, I came back and, uh, got back in it again. Didn't get a sponsor. Just that whole sponsor thing was just a problem for me. Um, then I've kind of put my toe in the water with the sponsor. So it's now 2020. It's been 13 years, and I'm finally getting to a point to where it's serious that I did hit that step zero. The last year of my life, I um, got to a point where I was scared for my life because I had a boyfriend that wanted to take me out if I wasn't going to be with him. And it was, uh, you know, it was a wake-up call. So today I'm not struggling near as much with sex, but I've put on 45 pounds. So now we're in the lust thing again. So um, the last thing I want to say is I'm very glad to meet you, Sheila. This girl right here has been in my life since 2008, I guess. I did her newcomers meeting. She she is the biggest inspiration in my life in this program, and I want to give you kudos because I love you. And I'm so glad you're involved, and I'm so glad that you're speaking to these women today. So thanks a lot, Debbie. Love you. Thanks, y'all. Bye.
I am a sex addict, and my name is Awe, A-W-E. Hi. Um, I just want to come introduce myself because I really don't want to talk very much, but um, somebody emailed me, and I found out about this conference a few weeks ago, and I was able to come since I'm in the middle of moving from Sarasota, Florida to Tucson, Arizona, and uh, for a few months. And so I'm just passing through, like, on this weekend, and I changed my plans so I could make it. And um, this has been a problem in my life since before the age of two, and it's just a really deep issue for me. Um, I've had some periods of celibacy for years, but I've never really resolved the trauma, neglect, and abuse, and um, lack of self or structure um, internally. Um, to have like a really positive feeling about myself without sex and attention. Um, so the reason I'm headed to Tucson in short is to do a 90 and 90 or a 180 and 90 in another S fellowship. I didn't realize Nashville also had, uh, like a bunch of <laughs> strong women or I probably would have chosen to do it here. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I just, I'm 36 and I'm not married and I don't have kids and I, those, those are my like heart desires, and it's really hard for me to realize that every day I have to wake up with this shame and regret over my life, and I know there's freedom, and I know there's forgiveness, but it's like I carry this very heavy burden that because of my choices, I am where I am now. Despite having tried so hard, I still am where I am now, and it doesn't seem like God is just going to drop this husband out of the sky. It seems like I'm going to have to continue to do more work on myself, which just seems impossible sometimes. But um, I'm really, really encouraged to see a room full of women. And it was really hard to walk in even to this conference because um, just and initially it always hits me the shame all over again. And, um, cause I really didn't know what I was doing. Really, I didn't know. And, uh, and so now that I do know how much pain I caused myself and God and others, it is just so devastating for me. And, um, so what I try to imagine is like, I'm walking in here with 30 years of recovery, like, you know, um, down the road, it'll be different, you know? And like, I just have to kind of go through the pain and be gentle with myself and just kind of like lighten up a bit because, um, even though I feel, I feel the, the reality of the acting out that I did years ago and I didn't feel it then. So it's kind of like I'm feeling it now and I have to feel it all the way through. So, um, I just wanted to say that because, um, I'll, I'll stop with this, but, it's a really important moment in my life where I'm just sort of saying to myself, like, phone meetings are not going to cut it. Like, I need, I'm a face-to-face -face person, and everywhere I've ever been, it's always been night meetings and all men, and I just can't get the recovery that I need. And so they have, you know, morning meetings and noon meetings there. I'm excited to try to get connected with some strong women and to try to um, just continue on the journey. Thanks. All right, we're going to close our meeting, and I would like to encourage everybody to leave with one phone number to this weekend. Just get one name and one phone number. 
um, before you leave. And let's stand and close with the Lord's Prayer. Oh, yeah, hold hands. That's great. We're going to change it to the third step prayer. listening to this episode of The Daily Reprieve, the best source for experience, strength, and hope for SA members. Please subscribe to this podcast to be alerted of new episodes. Please show your support by donating to The Daily Reprieve by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and choosing either monthly donations or a one-time donation by clicking Donate Now. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for the next episode of The Daily Reprieve. Bye.